Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Rock and Roll podcast. I am still not Grav. Um, much like Rachel in every single worst X Factor auditions video of all time, I think Grav is lazy at the moment. Um, <laughs> I what think, a reference! I think we can call this takeover too. Um, I'm still Patricia, and uh, we are still talking about the Rugby World Cup. And I've got not one but two guests with me this week. We have Harley Worthy. How are you, Harley? Good evening. And Mr. Phil Lewis. Hello, Phil. Hello, hello. How you doing there? Thanks oh, I'm fine. Me. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. Glad to be back. Um, as I as I started with Rhiannon last week, how are we feeling about the World Cup? Are we all excited, awake, buzzed, loving having a it. great time, loving it, it's not amazing. loving sleep deprivation. Yeah, that. I mean, we did say that last week. The time zone thing is 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 a down point, but you know, I keep. For someone who's recently gotten back from New Zealand and themselves, I'm annoyed at myself at how aggy I'm getting at like three in the afternoon and not realizing why that is the case. It's like, oh, why am I so grumpy at three in the afternoon? It's because you got up at three in the morning to watch rugby film. Obviously, you should have you, you timed that through. poorly. You should have just like came back from New Zealand as the tournament started and just stayed on New Zealand time. I, yeah, I know, right? And I, I really, what I should have done was ask my friends to move their wedding like all in a couple of weeks so I could have gone out there and actually seen some games out there would have been the better thing to do but they were selfish enough to schedule it in mid-September instead kind of disrespectful I know right I did explain to friends I do I do oh poor me I got to go to New Zealand for a wedding but they didn't put it two weeks later when I wanted them to do (laughs) I know right I know I was literally I literally flew back the day uh before uh the Black Ferns played the Wallaroos in a warm-up in Eden Park and I was like I mean, that, but that's kind of your, that's not the wedding's fault. That is your fault. You could have definitely stayed for like two more days. Yeah, but I think I'd been away long enough at that point. And my, it was my birthday on the Sunday and I wanted to be back home for my birthday. And it was just, there was uh, other factors involved. 
Well, I appreciate that it's on me. I appreciate that it's absolutely on me. You could you're not getting, any, you're not getting sympathy. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm looking. I'm looking for sympathy. Sorry. <laughs> right, we are on round two of the 2021 World Cup in 2022. Um, I thought this was another great weekend. I think probably overall nearly even a better round of games than we had last weekend it felt like a what what I can only describe as a proper world cup weekend like just every game just felt like you're watching a world cup that's that sort of unquantifiable thing that you get with world cup games where you're like oh this is this is a very world cup weekend and I think across the two rounds apart from one game which we'll obviously talk about later we've had like good games and competitive contests even when the score lines haven't been great we've had really good competition I think it's been such a great tournament yeah I think I have to agree I think as well this is the weekend where absolutely you know pretty much everyone had a thing had something to play for mm. so with um with France and England you had topping the pool and then you know potentially easier draw um you know lots of you know for like Scotland Australia it was the last chance loom whoever lost was effectively out of the tournament and you know, similar stories all the way through. The Canada yeah. catch was actually quite intense. Yeah, I think that's Maybe something not the that anyone wanted. I think that's not the scoreline I wanted. I mean, I, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hide the fact that I was calling Italy to win that one. But um, I think that's something that we don't really get with maybe men's World Cups to the same extent. Is that sort of even say like South Africa, Fiji? You know, two of the the lowest teams in the tournament and there's so much in that game and so much to play for and it's such a great game to watch um it's just it's just been brilliant I mean I suppose we should start with France versus England because what a fucking game Oof, hello Phil I, you I, went I, to watch I, it at the um at the watch party tell us tell us about the watch party I did well the what the watch party so I got a shout out to Ali Donnelly from Scrum Queens Jess Hayden Vic Rush, all the everyone involved there, Brave Mind Charity for putting on that event. It was two pounds that went to charity for a ticket to that thing. And it was a hundred plus people watching England, France at eight in the morning with QA with Poppy, uh, with um almost got the name wrong then, sorry, Brian Cleal and um Jess and Nick Heath. Um it was just an all-round excellent, excellent morning, and what an advert for women's rugby! It was just brilliant. Um, a little bit tense towards the end there, obviously, um, nice. with that with that breakaway try. Um, but I think even Jess came over to me afterwards and was like, "How do you think it's going to finish now?" At like, I think it was about 65, 70 minutes when it was thirteen seven. I was like, "I reckon it's going to stay here. I don't see France doing this again." Um, mm. But I think at the most, it's going to be like. 197 um sorry 167 um or stay as it is but the whole atmosphere the whole vibe was great we had Dave from New Direct Shield here who I know has been a guest on here before as well um he was there with the shield itself which he got to present to Bryony which was awesome um and yeah just a, a really very cool advert for for the whole game and the tournament in general so I really hope they go and do it again because I'm definitely up for doing that rather than just sitting on my sofa at sort of six in the morning on my own I feel like this tournament is just full FOMO for me. Like I have FOMO because Ireland aren't there and I have no team to really like really support. I have FOMO not being in New Zealand, getting to watch these games. I can't even go to the unbelievable looking watch party to watch either. <laughs> just, I'm just sitting in my sitting room for two days straight because I'm not sleeping in between and just <laughs> basically losing myself in this tournament. But 
this game was do we think it will serve England well in the long term to have had this game because I feel like they maybe needed a little bit of a scare yeah I, I think that I think the problem is is that England so you know even against France in the last the last few meetings they've had everything their own way really there's not mm. really I mean Fiji might have you know, started them, but they were able to get around that. But no one has come at them so organised and so ferocious as France's defence. <clears throat> and so yeah. things that normally they would just run as if it was a training ground, suddenly now they've actually got to fight to that that yard, that extra yard of post-contact meterage just to, you know, to make the rules work. So I think England are probably going to be more dangerous because of it. Yeah. But I think if you're Wayne Smith... In the New Zealand camp, you're rubbing your hands because you've got the perfect blueprint to nullify them. And I think the New Zealand team are probably going to be able to cause more problems for England defensively than France did as well. Yeah, no, as well obviously, as I think probably obviously France, um, their attack suffered for losing Laura Sansus early, who we did find out today has done her ACL and that's seemingly the end of her career, which is just the most heartbreaking thing it's I think so I've cool. ever opened Twitter and read in my life. I nearly dropped my phone when I saw it just absolutely devastating. Yeah, like I, th- I think I tweeted at the time, I was like, sport gives us so many wonderful, wonderful things, but it the, the fact that it can be so unpredictable is what we love about it. And it doesn't care for ceremony, it doesn't care, care for fairy tales unless you're... Um, well, never mind. Uh, let's just Sergei Parise, uh, who's determined <laughs> to have a fairy tale ending. But um, no, it doesn't care for for circumstance or plans to retire. And if it decides it's going to take you that day, it's going to take you that day. Unfortunately, and yeah, just a player of her caliber, just not not a deserved way to bow out of her international career. That's why I kind of really respect Sergio Parise for that, though, because he's like, you know what? I don't, give, I don't really give a fuck that sport doesn't let people have their fairy tales because I'm not going to let sport take my fairy tale from me. The and I'm, and I, I'm really rooting for him to get it. That's the thing. Like, whenever it's like, oh, Sergio's still playing, like Sergio's still trying to get in the Italy squad, I want them to pick him. I want him to get his, his ending. Why not? He's hung around long enough for it. But um, I mean, Sansu's like, she had always said that she was going to retire after this tournament, but she could just kind of not, you know, like that. Like I think we'd all we'd all love if she just didn't. But I think that um, that was she, her going off so early, sort of almost told for France's attack in that game. Um, their defense was one; it was one of the best defensive performances I've probably ever seen. Their that, the, the breakdown, just all of it was just England weren't England weren't expecting it. I don't think. No, I think I was saying to some of the guys at the watch party, and that's the last time I'm going to drop it because uh, of the FOMO, sorry. Um, but I was saying to them at the time, like, I don't see how they can keep this intensity and this ferociousness up yeah. for the full 80. There's going to be that there's going to be that golden period for England in that last 20 where things are going to come apart. Surely they can't do this to this level of intensity for the full 80, especially with the with the knocks they were taking in the first half. But absolute credit to them they showed it and it's it's a shame that they didn't get the result themselves because as harley said i think they've shown they've shown there that england if you get up at them and in their face there is a small gap in that armor it's not very big and it now has been identified which is not going to bode well for other teams um but it has shown that they can be got at if um if the opportunity arises do we think that if 
England face France again, which I meant to write down the current as it stands seedings, and I forgot to, but um, if they face them in the semi-final or the final, which is incredibly likely, really, they're they're more than likely going to meet them again at some point. Do we think, A, that France will be able to pull out a performance like that again, and B, that England will let them? Um, I kind of feel it's bit similar to what happened with South Africa and the men in the 2019 World Cup. That that game against New Zealand with two lucky bounces they've lost and they shored up that one thing that was their weakness. And then I think if you know had England not done something bashingly great against England against New Zealand, I think even if New Zealand went up South Africa would have won that game anyway. Mm-hmm. I you know I think there's too much quality in that Sarah in that in that England pack. And, you know, I think, you know, you had Sarah Hunter and Emily Scarrett dropping balls that those two players never drop. Yeah. That was amazing. The look on, the the look look on, on Scarrett's Emily's face. face. Yeah, it, was there like, was a look of confusion, is it? Do you not know who I am? Like, I don't do that. That's not what I do. And it was... <laughs> but yeah, I think you're very right, Harley. And I also think that not only are you right about England have identifying that as their own weakness and we'll work on it and won't let it slip again. I, I think, same with France, I don't think they'll be able to galvanise themselves and get themselves that fired up. That was their that was their game to really sort of throw everything at it. And I think um, I'm totally open to be proved wrong, uh, but I think if they did meet again, I think it would be a, a, a slightly more deflated France that we'd see. Yeah, I think, um, I think, I mean, England deserve to win this tournament. And I know that it's like, they are such clear favourites and there's an element of does that take some of the jeopardy and the sort of World Cup spirit out of it. I don't, I personally don't think it does, but I think that they deserve to win this tournament. They are, they're the best, well, I think they're the best rugby team certainly I've ever seen in my lifetime. They're this incredible group and they are absolute trailblazers. And I, I think that as much as they deserve to win this tournament, them winning this tournament and clearly being so far ahead of the competition is really just going to act as a bit of a stick to beat all the unions with. Because yeah. if you don't start, you you know, if you don't start putting the time and the money that these players deserve into them now, you're only going to fall further behind and you're not going to even begin to close the gap. And I think that it's it's almost we're we're at a very important point. I feel like in a sort of it feels like things are shifting, and I think that England winning this tournament would be a huge step in that direction. I think what you said last week, what you and Marie were talking about about seeing sort of witnessing history in in action type thing. This is the highest profile. This is the highest profile the women's game's ever been at. It just seems yeah. like it's. I get that we're obviously going to say that because we're we're trying to live it and breathe it every every moment that we can. But eight hundred thousand people know, watch this game exactly, on TV. Exactly, that's huge. And I think if that was if that was the sort of third or fourth World Cup in a row, we'd be seeing those numbers. And England were still the dominant force. I think yeah, we'd be seeing some real fatigue, and we'd be seeing um, some complacency with the whole women's structure in itself. I think the complete opposite is what is what you're saying here, which is absolutely spot on, which is they're showing how good it can be. They're showing how good you can be. And they're inviting everyone else to come and meet them. And I just think that's just brilliant. I think it sounds kind of counterproductive, but as, as great as this tournament is, and as much as I'm enjoying it, and as much as I wish that it would just keep going, um, it almost makes you even more excited for the next tournament because you have the likes of Wales have just brought in these professional contracts. Ireland, who hopefully will be there in three years' time, have 
just brought in professional contracts. Fiji and South Africa are such new sort of fledgling teams. And it, it feels like hopefully by the time that tournament comes, all of these teams will have come so much further just by just by the nature of, you know, just by time passing and more professionalism betting in. And we might be in for it sounds crazy, might be in for an even better tournament in three years' time than the one than the already incredible tournament that we're we're watching now. You just gotta hope that the red roses don't continue to get even better still. Well, <laughs> if they could just stop for like two years, just stagnate and just let everyone get, you know a hundred steps behind them instead of a thousand. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, go on, Harley. Sorry. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right, especially with it, with obviously the next one's going to be in England, which, you know, we're all in that time zone. So having yes. games, having the game, having the games that we can watch and, you know, and also, you know, things like South African or just most of the big European nations. 3.15pm you know, kickoff. I love know, it. Like, Stuff of dreams. You know, that I think is going to make it, Oh, to be honest, even the one in Australia four years after, um, yeah, because yeah, it'll be England 2025, Australia 2029, then it goes to America. Yeah. If I think I'm right. I think that's you know, right. Even yeah. then, Australia is a slightly, you know, my, my earliest World Cup memories are 2003. And we'd watch, you know, our maths teacher loved rugby, so he'd put, them, he'd put the games on in maths class. Nice. So we'd, watch, so, we'd watch, so we'd watch like one of the, you know, one of the kickoffs on there and you know, I think the thing that's going to make the game mix both for the women is just exposure. And the fact that it's all on ITV. Mm. All right, some of it's on ITV4, but that's still a freeview channel. Yeah, this is you what know, we were saying last week. It's still on your TV. Like, you turn on the TV and that channel is just there. You don't have to You don't have to have a fire stick. You don't have to have an app on your TV. You, you can just turn on yeah, your television. And, no, that channel my, my- is there. My dad now has two £2,000 bicycles because he ended up just watching Tour de France on ITV4, like however many years ago it was. And look at now he's now he's obsessed. He's one of those re- weirdo retired cyclist people, unfortunately. But it could, just goes to show that he had no interest in that sport whatsoever mm. and just happened across it on terrestrial TV or Freeview TV. And the obsession was born. So like you say, it doesn't matter that it's ITV4. If it's on there, people will happen across it. and it's a great product they're putting on great games which comes full circle back to what you were saying is that yes this weekend has probably been even better not specifically for me from a welsh perspective but as general the games were just excellent this weekend and i think with the tv coverage as well there are faces and voices involved in that tv coverage that casual rugby watchers will recognize so like if you if you're someone who just watches the Six Nations games on ITV, you will recognize some of these faces and you will recognize some of these voices. And I think that that's massive as opposed to, I mean, we often see like the coverage on smaller games and the punditry nearly be better than um, who shows up, you know, the once a year guys that show up for the (laughs) Six Nations to talk about when they won the World Cup in 2003, et cetera. But um, you know, having the likes of Maggie Alfonsi, you know, Nick Mullins is doing commentary. Like these are these are people that you recognize and these are people that casual watchers will turn it on and I think automatically think, oh, I've seen that person doing the Six Nations. I'll watch this now because it's the same, it's the same people. It must be as important as the Six Nations. Whilst whilst we're talking about presenters, David Flatman is as the main presenter is absolutely fucking brilliant. I love it. I'm a I think he's so sick anyway. of the time that these games are on he seems oh, just he, sick of it i think the thing but in is, the I'm best really way not, in the best way 
I really get on with his sort of humour anyway. But I also mm. think he is probably one of the most knowledgeable pundits that gets rocked around. And sure. you know, I'm actually glad he's doing this instead of, you know, BT Sport Hub keeping all their best their best guys. You know, they've got Brian O'Driscoll for reasons because I don't think... <laughs> has, has Brian O'Driscoll ever played for a premiership club? Or is no. it just that he's too expensive on the European thing so they're getting their money's worth? He's Craig Doyle's friend. Oh, that'd be why. Yeah. That's like that's yeah. actually genuinely why. Like I that sounded really strange. It always comes back to jobs for the boys. Come on now, Harley. This is rugby. It's always comes back yeah, to jobs true. for the boys. I, I'm, I'm a Welsh re- I you know, I'm a Cardiff fan. I should be used to this. <laughs> we just no cycle one, through the same coaches. Be no Wilson one's paying next. no one's paying 25 quid a year for ultimate rugby's terrible service. He has to get his money from somewhere. <laughs> Um, one more point that I had from that France-England game is, is Emily Scarrett the most important player to any rugby team right now? Because I think she might be. I, I, I don't know, because I think the, the problem is, is like, to me, most of the England women are all first months equals. For me, I think Marley Packer is the most important. But then... Mm. I uh, I just adore flankers. Like that's that's the position I always want to play, apart from being too slow and too <laughs> small. Uh, I just think the way she steered that game and kept heads level, and then made the decision to go for the post with that penalty was just. I I think there was a danger. Not not that I mean, without her, they are still incredibly composed and experienced. But I think that she has the kind of composure and experience that not a lot of players anywhere have and I think that she really calmed that down where in that sort of like 50 to 70 minutes almost where France were really hammering at them and it, it felt like it might be starting to turn a little bit and I think that she was she was like no uh I'm gonna go for the posts and we're just gonna win this game and obviously did she score all of the points I think she did because she yes. scored the try as well didn't she so yeah I just Brilliant. Yeah, Brilliant it was. The angle was yeah. beautiful. I just think she's I just think she's great. I love her so much. I think that's the thing with this England this England squad though, is that I love them all. It it feels it feel, yeah, basically that you're you're going you just summed up what I'm gonna say for the next like two minutes <laughs> in a couple of words. Say it but anyway, they're great. It 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 feels like you just highlighted um Scarrett there for that game. It feels like every time they go out, there's always a couple of them that you could make that case for and it's never it, like it doesn't often isn't, isn't often the same person game in mm. game out they are all obviously great but it feels like a handful of them every time they go out have player of the match performances that where they're just absolutely unplayable and if maybe like um one of the two of the players that you'd expect to have a good game are a little bit undercooked or maybe having a seven out of ten performance somebody else that's normally having a 7 out of 10 performance is having a 10 out of 10 performance. Like, and that's just the thing with them. It just seems to just, whoever whoever the star players are, in air quotes, yeah. if they're having an off day, someone else rises to it and they just seem... It feels material. like as a team, they're never below an 8 out of 10. Exactly. Because someone will always rise to it. If, ever, if someone, if I just someone think... you expect to have a good game is having a poor it's one... A... It's a team of tight burns. It's, it's just a team of typhoons, like just everyone. Oh, at least I wish, I wish that was a real thing. <laughs> oh, you know I what? love I, a team of tiger burns. I would like a team of tiger burns with one Louis Carbonell. 
That would be my perfect rugby team. God, that'd now, be Tyburn, Tyburn can do all of that stuff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just I just want Carbonell for just being a pure little shit. That is fair. But yeah, the, the thing is, That's... Patricia, is that if it was all Tyburns, it would be really boring because they just win everything. You've got to have the carbon on there to make it a little bit interesting, a little I bit exciting. I would like to experience one season of what it's like to be bored because your team are winning everything. I think I'd enjoy <laughs> that for a little while, at least. I've got no idea. You've got no idea. <laughs> I would enjoy not losing to the Dragons. Ooh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's... I would, I, I would like to know up. what losing to the Dragons feels like. Wait. I was going to... I just think it's really interesting with Scarrett though at the minute because she is perhaps not playing in the same way as we've come to expect from her she's not at her at her best she is flashy and while she's still assured and sort of solid she she can be this incredibly flashy and just unplayable force and I don't think that she has been that this tournament but I think she hasn't been playing badly she hasn't been playing badly she's been no she's just been so solid and so just present like ever present and it just feels like you cannot lose if she is on your team and she's on the pitch do you think that that's just more what England needs her to be now though like they don't really need to be classy because you know you've got players like Abby Dow who can just come and like Abby Dow, who magic. came on off the bench again and immediately went and skinned someone on the outside again. Yeah. I, I generally, as soon as Dow, I saw Dow would come on, I was, you know, I was leaning forward, forward from the sofa, thinking something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. She right. just has that, you know. It's it's that, you know, when you have like um, Vishnu Zamit or Shane Williams before him, they get the ball and you just get this sort of, you know, this untangible sense of anticipation. Something will happen. You know, and, you know, every team has that one player who they get the ball in, like, you know, oh, hang on. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe it's worth, maybe we're not going to lose this. It was, a, it was a great game. And I think it might have, I think France will take huge belief from it and New Zealand will look at it and think, oh, maybe on, maybe if we have an absolute 10 out of 10, this England team might be beatable in the knockout stages of this tournament. You know, like I think that they are still run runaway favourites to win it. But I think that France did a lot to sort of say, you know, there are ways that you can really rattle them and there are ways that you could maybe push on and beat them in a one-off game. Yeah, I still I, I go back to go back to Harley's point. I think it still was very much like a end of the um like they've shown they've shown the weakness at the right time and I feel like all it's going to do <laughs> I, I really hope that you're right not not because I want to see them lose but because obviously it would be fascinating from a neutral perspective to see if they can be got at um but at the same time I feel like all it's done is make them sit up a little bit and go Oh, no, I, abs- oh, okay. I absolutely, we'll just, we'll just I absolutely also think that. <laughs> I absolutely also think that. I just think that they're that they will at least be able to look at it and think, oh, France got actually really close to them by doing this. You know, yeah. that that might work for. And the yeah. thing is, if if New Zealand are able to put in, you know, as good a defensive performance as France put in, um, in that game of the weekend, they might have more in their attack. They might be confident that they can score a few more points than France. That's all. I still don't think. Sure. I really still don't think that England are get audible in this to- in in this tournament. I really don't. But no. I think that it was 
it was a great game even to just sit and watch it for 80 minutes but it was I thought it was interesting as well to see that kind of England performance I guess I mean for me it was my I mean I said this about the last thing that Red Roses France game but it's my game of the year it I don't know what it is about this get fixture. I think mm. it's just such a, it's always such a meaty good one. It's funny one because... Thing, bef- I will say, though, I, there is one thing I got really pissed off with is them constantly trying to go la crunch, not look crunch. It's like, no, you can't just change oh, no. the rules of someone else's language just because it's no. not immediately feminine. Yeah. Like, no one's calling, no one's saying that the men's French team play for Le France as opposed to La France because <laughs> they're all men. Just, just let their language... Stop talking about. I don't know if that's the sensitivity of being a Welshman who can't speak his own language because of years of Eng- of centuries of English oppression, but this is not the podcast for that. Yeah, I'm fine. I, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an Irish person who can't really speak Irish for the same reason, so yeah. <laughs> maybe this is the podcast for that. Thanks, England. <laughs> maybe we should stop fawning over them so much, seeing as they killed all our languages. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think the Red Roses are responsible for that. No, 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 I, no, I'm not blaming no, the Red Roses. I, that, that's more no. the punditry and the coverage. That it just—it's um, a bit of a rancor. Like people who say something. If we <laughs> want to move on to the other game from that pool, which was South Africa Fiji, which was arguably the game of the weekend, as much as that England France game was incredible, this South Africa Fiji game was oh, just my. mental, just insane. Yeah, you'd have to be a right prick if you slept through it, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I was considering going to bed at that point, and then I was like, I've come this far. Like, I'm tired all the time. I'll just be tired yeah. today. It's it's grand. And I was so happy that I made that decision. Phil, what did you make of... Just what did you make of this whole thing? I mean, where to start? It was... I've watched the highlights back again like three or four times just because I couldn't believe that that ended the way that it did. It was just so physical, so intense the whole way through. Um, And just, yeah, I know like the experience, like the England-France game was great to go to that experience and be that with all those fans and whatnot. But for the actual, actually, I know, sorry, Harley, I know you said this was your game of the year, but I thought this was easily the game of the weekend. Absolutely. By by a margin. Um, because it was just so finely poised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I just thought it was just um which is what is this their like their eighth professional game, is it? It's their eighth eighth, professional game. Their eighth professional game. It's mental. Or not well, just their eighth game ever. Eighth game, yeah. They're not professional, of course, but um of course, yeah. But like and, and South Africa is such a, a new team as well, really, like this sort of iteration of a South African women's team, if you yeah. will. I, what I love is how even these teams that are so fresh and so new to rugby have such an identity of a South Africa team and a Fiji team, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it yeah. feels like being Fiji is just They're playing Fiji rugby. They're them. playing South it's, African it's rugby, yeah. Beautiful. Um, I thought Fiji really did that sort of classic... Fiji thing especially in the last sort of maybe the last quarter where they were the game maybe was starting to get away from them and they were able to sort of trick South Africa into trying to play Fijian rugby because it looks so fun and they were like yeah no we're actually better than you at this though so we're going to win the game now thank you and (laughs) it was just just, and you could see what it meant to them all in in the post-match and just it was just a great game just a beautiful game rugby was the winner in this game like 
very much so. Although I will say it, it's just a standing item that with a, with a nation with the resources that South Africa has clearly for the men's game, it really is. It, this, this, with that result as well, is just highlighting, obviously we've said that the success of the Red Roses versus the other unions, professionalism is coming through as we're seeing it and we're getting more and more uptake from the from the fans and whatnot. It's getting a bigger platform. We, we want to see it and we want to pressurise the unions to put more money into this, this women's these women's teams. It just goes to show just how, like, I feel like South Africa had that game in them to win it. And I feel yeah. like I can't put my finger on exactly <laughs> what, it, what it would take, but just being taken a bit more seriously from the union perspective to put the structures in place to give them more resources they close out that game quite easily compared to the resources that the men's team must have and it's just it was just a real sort of like I was really happy for Fiji because obviously all the reasons we just said but it was just another thing where after it settled with me I was like man they really snatched that victory from the jaws of defeat there didn't they and yeah it's, it's, not, it's... They're not necessarily even their own fault it's almost frustrating how how much potential and how much talent there is there, even with the that's the thing, isn't it? The lack of money, attention, time that they've been given, and you just think if they were just treated properly. Yeah. And I think that South Africa, especially, yeah. are really ones that I think they will grow, and I think that they will come if if they're given if they're given the opportunity to. I think that they will really come good because there is a hell of a lot of talent in that team. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I think Elmer Schmidt, the um, South African rugby journalist, put it best, saying like, you know, it, they are coming from an e- probably an even further point than a lot of other teams in this tournament yeah. where basically the concept of women's rugby just wasn't respected at all. You know, we're, we're not talking about like, you know, them coming catching up from about 10 years ago. We're talking about, you know, 50, 60 years ago where you know, they said, you know, women's, you know, Alfie Emma Smith's, I'm, I'm definitely paraphrasing here, but you know, basically said, you know, their role was to be in the kitchen. It was to yeah. do, you know, to take care of kids. It was this, that, and the other. It, it had no, you know, it well, certainly wasn't going to play professional sport. And I think it's going to take a big shift. I mean, it's going to take a big shift all because we see all this misogyny even in, in, you know, even in England. You know, it's, you know, there's still that, you know, whatever anyone says, the Red Roses are the best rugby team that has ever existed. You'll find the same sort of people trying to go, oh, but. And you know, yeah, but England won, the England men won a, won a World Cup basically because they were the only team to be professional. Yeah. And yeah. Professional was, and realised professionalism isn't just being paid. 27 games on the bounce, people. 27 games unbeaten. It's unreal. Crazy. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I just think, if anything, you're right, those problems do exist across the nations that we're seeing at this World Cup. But for me, it feels extra. It, it feels extra harsh on South Africa because, because they're, as, they're arguably the furthest away. Yeah. And but also that not only are they the furthest away, but also their male counterparts are the reigning world champions. They have yeah. they clearly aren't opposed to like giving the resources where the resources are required. Like they turned that team around in the space of six months to give them that 2019 World Cup because they were absolutely shambolic um, before that. So it shows that if you put the resources in place and you've, you've just identified they've clearly got 
so many naturally gifted, brilliant rugby players in that I mean, team. If if Asese Halle didn't come off the field to at least three missed calls from Premier 15's teams, I don't know what they're watching because I know, right? I think that that, that is a player who we will be seeing in England or France very, very soon. And it's just what like it's it is it is almost and there is an element of you sort of have to accept that this World Cup is not an even playing field and you have the you have the teams that are very far ahead and then you have the ones that are quite close to them but still a bit behind you know Canada and the USA and then you have the ones who are just coming through with professionalism and then you have the teams like South Africa and Fiji who are just incredibly green and like you do just have to accept that but it you're right for it does just feel a little bit more frustrating with these two teams because if if they can put on a game like this with the level of resources and investment they've been given up until now give them more let them let them be more yeah i think it's a but also just what a game it was just it like yeah, you just come back to the, the game was great I think I'm um, not going to be going to bed after I've got this. I'm going to be watching this game now because it's on my it's on my planner. I'll be waiting for <laughs> the afternoon to watch it. Um, from maybe the high point of the weekend to probably the low point. Uh, will we will we get Wales out of the way? We probably should. Um, yeah, go on then. Everything that Wales did well <laughs> last week to beat Scotland was bad in this game. Yeah. And as much as you can caveat the opposition. We have seen, um, we've seen South Africa do it against France. We've seen Japan do it against Canada. We saw, to an extent, we saw Italy do it against the US, or Italy do it against Canada. Sorry, this weekend, um, the teams that are at a disadvantage and the teams that you, when you kind of know that they aren't going to win the game, still giving really, really positive and really good accounts of themselves and great performances. Wales didn't do that in this game. Uh, like it just it felt like everything they had from the Scotland game fell away I think yeah it was, it was, di- it was disappointing to watch really I think they, they understood they could rely on the, they they got the the memo about the physicality and I think that really showed in the first 10 minutes and then it just seemed to be that they just sort of stopped believing it um yeah. and they, they and I, I can't really put my finger on on what it was but they just seemed to just go off the boil. And I, I, I get that when you're facing down, I think it was, I, I can't remember now exactly what the period of was between um, the number of points they scored between Wales's try and then half time. Oh, it just felt like millions. It, exactly, right? <laughs> it, and I, like it felt like that to us as spectators. So being in that contest, getting that, that getting that sport scoreboard go against you it must be tremendously difficult to keep Absolutely. your head up and keep sticking to a game plan and keep um keep working away at it um part of me kind of the more and more i sit on that game the more and more i thought was this just did they know did they just in something in the back of their minds just go you know what this isn't our fight we yeah we need to give a good account of ourselves and they were lacking in that but I've been in that situation in a sporting situation where you know it's you know it's not the be or an end of you know this isn't your fight at this point you tell yourself you're going to try and play well but it still seeps in it still eats away at your basics at your core yeah I think it would have been a fool's errand for them to be targeting this game and not the Australia game like this was not their this was not their sort of target 
I guess, in in terms of qualifying for the knockout stages, which they are still very much in a position to do. But yeah. at the same time, it, you know, you don't want to be putting in performances like that, I guess. No. And I it was it was disappointing. It was a, I just thought it was a disappointing performance after. Yeah. They were it was so positive last week. Aside from this, I mean the scrum in the first half and the and the mall, which was like they I don't know why they didn't just just score eight thousand mall tries. It would have been great. They would have won. I the know, game. right? <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely seemed that definitely seemed to be the thing they needed to do more. I think one thing it does show are how important players like George Evans and Alicia Butchers are to maintaining that physicality yeah. throughout and never taking backward steps. Because, you know, I mean even in the Scotland game, when, when George Evans went off injured and when Alicia Butchers went off injured, you did see this noticeable drop. Yes, they were tired. But I think players like that are just those heartbeat players who, uh, it's a, I know it's a cliche, but it does drive up. But also, I think there is this thing, and it doesn't matter which Welsh team and which New Zealand team, it's just this thing that as soon as you have like two or three tries scored against you and Ruby Tui does a Ruby Tui thing, you just think, oh, what's the fucking point? <laughs> it did feel, it did feel like their heads, their heads just dropped. And you, can, I mean, in a way, you can't blame them for that. They are still so at the beginning of their professionalism, and they're playing against the reigning world champions who are at their home World Cup, who are, you know, just starting really to find form again. And they, and I think they really are finding that form again, but. It, I also just think it's criminal how little they get the ball to Jazz Joyce. Yeah, it's outrageous. Every, all, all balls should go to Jazz Joyce always. Yeah, absolutely. But it, but which is the I reason mean, why uh, it's the reason why Alicia Butcher's got injured. Frankly, is she just didn't pass to her fiance. If she hasn't passed, the other person would have bothered tackling her. I, I don't just, know what what fight over the dog they had. Did you see the um? Did you see the tweet from Jazz Joyce to Alicia, or it might be an Instagram uh, to Alicia Butchers when she was posting about going home? She basically went, "Well, at least you'll be able to see our dogs." Yeah. <laughs> I was oh, talking to one of my friends. I was talking to a friend of mine in the pub on Friday, and she just went, and yeah, she's um, uh, captain for Topsham Topsham Ladies near here. And she went, "If I'd got sent home from tour, and my wife had said that to me, I'd have fucking nutted her next time I saw her." <laughs> I just think you just see her standing out there on the wing, not getting the ball for pretty much an hour of that game, and you just think, Again, "What? What?" Just like just, and and she can't do it by herself, right? And and I understand that, but also she could she could give it a good fucking go if you just gave her the ball. Yeah. Um, well, I think the first time she got her hand on the ball, she did she did step and make a break. It was it, yeah. I mean, it didn't it didn't come of anything, but she she slipped at least a tackle. Um, so I think you're right. It does need. It does need. Like we joke, jokes aside, it does need to be something that needs to be looked at. And I'm hoping they are looking at it. But I think also, obviously, because we're all um, home nations over here, obviously our our, our bias is going to want to be to focus on the Wales performance and how it was lacking, and it was lacking. I do think there is a lot to be said for New Zealand wanting to prove a point. Yeah, after I was that just just going to move on to. They look like they're really starting to just hum now, and they look yeah. like they want to go far. In the, well, they want to, you know, they look like they are really sending that message that they, if they can help, like they're going to try their very best to win this tournament, and they are not to be counted out in the way that a lot of people were counting them out sort of six months ago. Like you know how vicious the New Zealand press can be on their own on their own 
teams like I can yeah. imagine the what, what would have been said locally about that opening performance against Australia like it would not have gone down well they were so so muted in the first half like I think they would have just been like out to really prove a point so yeah they are they are just full of some of the best players I think you'll just ever see I just Portia Woodman is one of those players who almost just transcends this whole thing she is one of those I feel like she's a player that a lot of people this might just this might just be me I feel like Portia Woodman is a player that a lot of people will have heard of even before people started paying attention to these games does that make sense I feel like she is yeah like such a household name almost yeah it's that Lomo thing like many people I know who know nothing of rugby I mean I work in an Mm. international lab you know most I think there's only one other person based in the UK, you know, who's from the UK in in my land, and there are 20 people. And they're aware of Portia Woodman. They're aware of Jonah Loman. Yeah. They're these superstars that, you know, we're always at, we're always saying, where are they in rugby? And and then they bring out a bloody 18 year old centre, Sylvia Brunt, who's just saying, you know, I, I'm also incredibly class. I'm also. <laughs> just I'm going to be 18 and just be really fucking good in this game and Wales are not going to be able to do anything about me um yeah and it was it was a really really like as much as again the other way you caveat the opposition um it I thought it was a good performance from them and I thought it 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 does feel like it's starting to come together I think what was it, it was, it was like it was 30, the... 12 13 changes to their team against Australia you know this you know this was their statement of the test team we can even yeah. rotate our whole mm. team out. Here you go. All yeah. we've got us are starting wings, one of whom we've moved to full back for the first time ever. Just and um, our Ted, who leads the hacker. And my word, is she scary? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, genuinely, like, I, it, you know, there are few players who frighten me. She is one of them. My as it stands, an obvious choice as well. As it stands, Wales would play New Zealand in the quarterfinals um, if yeah, the games I mean, stayed as they are now. So, oh well, we can do an island. Yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's fine. You know what? I was kind I mean, of when Ireland weren't in this tournament, I was like, yeah, it's fine. No one can make quarterfinal jokes, but people find a way, you know. And uh, always a way. You you yes. pick Wales as your honorary team, and now we're going to go out in the quarters. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> It's my fault. I did it. I'm so sorry. I'll be honest. Um, I think for Wales, getting to the quarters, though, you've got to consider that as a success. I would say, for me, a successful tournament. I think think being able to say that you were in the final eight, regardless of what happens after that, is a huge... um, is a huge sort of thing to bring to the union and to bring to everyone and just say, look, we, we were... We got to the quarterfinals of this World Cup in in the very, very baby stages of our professionalism. You know, think about what we can do in three years' time. It's a huge, it's a huge belief thing, I think. Um, as much as you would love to see them, you know, shock some people and go on a run. Um, even just getting there as as one of the um the best third place teams. Um, because it seems as though one of those best third place teams is going to come from the Italy, Canada, USA pool. Um, so the other one is is likely to be the winner of Wales, Australia. Um, you know, so that's that's a huge game, and I think that the Australia beating Scotland, if we want to move on to that game, sort of 
put even more onto Wales Australia in terms of the stakes of this game and like the sort of pressure on both of these teams heading into this weekend. Um, how mean do we want to be about Scotland? Because I kind of feel I kind of feel bad. Um, it feels like it, from a Welsh perspective, it certainly feels like kicking a puppy after what we after what we yeah. uh, what happened to them last weekend. I won't say what we did to them because it was really the referee that did it to them. But um, what happened last weekend, it definitely feels like kicking a kicking a downed puppy um, at this stage. Um, you've got to really feel for them. That was. Do we um, think that t- this is like a systemic issue because Scotland? sort of couldn't hold on to games in the Six Nations this year, this team that, I mean, they lost in in, in the dying minutes to Australia as they did last week against Wales. Um, and they we were sort of seeing that from them in the Six Nations. You know, the men's team are not exactly famed for winning games and holding on to leads and stuff like that. Is, is it actually like a, you know, a structural issue in Scottish rugby or is it just... I don't know what, what I mean. What do we think it is? You say, they, uh, or is there something just innately loser about them? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, have, I have to say, if any of you follow Ed Jenkins on Twitter, it, yes. it's worth it's oh, worth oh, it's he's worth it. He's properly, he's properly going for the some of the Scottish uh, some of the uh, people from the Scottish rugby pod. For, uh, yeah, yeah. Go, the man's an because he's saying your national sports curling, and we're even better than you at that. <laughs> but I mean. As much as you feel for Scotland, you know, that's two weeks in a row that this, that they've, not that they've done this, but that this has happened, I guess. I mean, listen, I listened to the, the um, uh, some of the guys from the Scottish Rugby Blog podcast and they were saying like, the fact that even they themselves acknowledge it as like a, like a quintessentially Scottish thing to happen says to you enough that like, yes, we joke about it, but also they're also aware of it as well so I wouldn't necessarily think that there's I don't know if what you could be doing to instill that even unintentionally in your teams both men and both men and women that you just can't close games out um like to be honest I'll hold my hands up here and say that I think the ref absolutely saved us last week and that's I don't, I don't think it was, yes, they struggled in the Six Nations. Yes, they didn't close out the game against Australia. But I think we were one very lucky refereeing performance away from losing that game but and then losing it almost. Australia on. had a yellow, what, a yellow and two reds in this game and Scotland yeah. couldn't hold on to that lead. Right. So, you know, I, I, I agree about the, the, the refereeing yeah. last week. And we, I think we did speak about it, but it's, it, it's just... Oh, I don't. I don't know what it is with Scotland without without you know leaning into just being cruel because we've got Scottish <laughs> friends who we just want to laugh at. But I just think there's just something. There's like a block there. I feel like maybe. I mean, going back to the refereeing performance. I mean, you know, being a being a being a Cardiff fan. I, I mean, all right. Yes, I've definitely had my fair share of digs at the ref. But at the end of the day, you've got to play them. You know, whenever we lose these Irish teams, it's usually because they've been smarter and they've outplayed it. Wales, Absolutely. Wales have won so many games and lost so many games just on whether or not we could play the ref. I think you the have to be smart being... enough to see what the ref is doing and take advantage of it and push it as far as you can see that the ref is willing to take it, if that makes sense. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the trick the trick is just somehow, I mean, it's easier said than done, obviously, but like, if, if you're a good team, like if Scotland kicked all their points, if they could make the most of all their opportunities in the 22, 
the breath's decisions wouldn't be in their hands. Yeah, the game would have been out of sight. Yeah. I think that's... They, um, I have to say, I want to know what it is with... What well, I want to know is what it is with Pat- Chris Patson being involved in uh, World Cups in New Zealand and Scotland team not being able to kick goals. It's <laughs> pretty eleven oh. shocking as well. Well, I was I was part part of a part of a group chat where we were discussing this and they said, "Oh my God, they've had Chris Patson as a kicking coach for two years." And <laughs> a friend of ours, Rory, said, "Yeah, but can you really coach if it's hard? Give it to Dan Parks." <laughs> doesn't really count as a coach doesn't really count as a coaching strategy is if I can't do it give it Dan Parks because he's not on the pitch I'm sure uh, they can I mean... put him on a week I'm, I'm sure <laughs> one of the I, I did a double take on one of the Scotland players and honestly thought it was Jamie Ritchie in a wig really? I think that's more how she was playing than anything but it was like oh, okay. um, it was, well, I mean... but it's also the headband as well it's like that yeah, looks yeah. like Jamie, Jamie Ritchie it is quite he does, he does stand out like that it's not about to get easier for Scotland. Like they're playing New Zealand this weekend, and you have to think that it's going to be um, all for three and just a, a disappointing tournament overall for them, um, which is which is a shame. Um, Wales Australia now look put, like if we can briefly try and put aside just the absolutely rancid vibes that saying Wales are playing Australia this weekend have. Um, what what do we think? Uh, I mean, is there any? Is there actually any point in me asking that question? I feel like there, there nearly isn't. I feel like you can't put aside the rancid vibes that saying Wales are playing Australia this week sort of creates. But one, what do we think Wales and Australia are going to... How do we think that game is going to go this weekend? I, I don't know. I mean, one one bit of update we should put in, at least in terms of who isn't... Who's definitely not going to be available is um, their starting hooker, uh, Talakai. Yes, she has she a three-week ban. Yeah, three-week ban. Um, uh, Masters didn't get a ban. Just one second, not... just to say, fair play to her for just absolutely outright pleading not guilty. <laughs> just in the, in the disciplinary, just went, nah, I don't I don't agree with that. Yeah, said, yeah, sorry. yeah, sorry, no. Yeah, Talika is the one who didn't get banned. She's the one who yeah. had the two yellows to start. Yeah. And then yeah, Masters is the one who did get the ban. Yeah, I might uh, misread the... Uh, Briefly, there, but so I mean, that's that's I mean, you know, that's one thing, I guess. Um, as for any Wales Australia game, I will be probably starting drinking heavily by 80 minutes, <laughs> and I don't actually know what time the kickoff is. Uh, I think it's, it's two, two o'clock, it's yeah, early, it's, it's an early, early one. Sorry, just go like out and early, lash the, just go out be, and lash the like, night before I'll, and just come back as the game is. Started. I live in a small town in Ottery. You struggle to find Jamie. You can go out on the lash till two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, to just be fair, you went to the party. You open the pubs till eleven, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. East, East Devon isn't really known for its uh, its uh, nightlife. <laughs> I I think that I think to to try and put some sort of prediction on this, I think that Wales will actually genuinely have targeted this game. Obviously, compared yeah. to last week, um, I think even it's annoying that. They couldn't have been the other way around. It would have been nice to have had the win over Scotland, then playing mm-hmm. Australia, then with the sort of dead rubber, not as it were, but the dead rubber against New Zealand. Because as much as you might want to not, um, as much as they might have been thinking the New Zealand game isn't the one we're targeting, to take that level of defeat and then try and carry that into a, um, a game that matters is obviously difficult in terms of mentality yeah. and and your preparations. But um I think while I don't necessarily think they have like 
it's going to sound a bit harsh, but I don't think they have the same talent pool as necessarily some of the other teams around them. I feel like they've got the a mentality, or sorry, they've. I feel like they can come together as a group better than say, like if you were to take Scotland as another example, like I feel like they probably have a broader, higher level of talent, but I feel like the Wales squad are better together as a squad. Yeah. I feel like you've got some really good standout leaders in Scotland. And I feel like you've got some really sort of the level of player is generally higher. But I feel like what it effectively what I'm talking about here is vibes, is what you're, is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm just, basically, I'm just, they're just coming down to just like pure, absolute stubbornness. And we are going to come together and try and make this quarterfinal happen. Um, yeah. And that's what I think will will be the sort of. Because I think I think there's on. there's an element of like as disappointing as um you know shipping a loss like that one against New Zealand and really being clattered like that that's obviously going to be disappointing and that will probably hang around um they I think that they will be able as you said to come together and just be like look the result in this game once we beat Scotland the result in this game didn't actually matter like we could we could have lost by one point or a hundred points it actually makes really no difference if we mm-hmm. go out and win this weekend. And I think that they will see this Australia game as winnable. I think that they will see it as there for them and that quarterfinal, um, I think they will see it as there for them. And, and like, I mean, you kind of, you have to back them, you know, I think it will be, I think it will be a, a really tight game. And I think it will be very evenly, evenly matched in a, in a weird way, even though, yeah, I feel like I feel like they're they're an odd matchup almost with the way that they've been playing so far in this tournament. But mm. yeah, I think that as much as um, losing like that to a team like New Zealand will hurt, there is an element of, but it doesn't really matter. It matters because we lost a game and we didn't play very well, and it was a heavy loss, of course. But in terms of the tournament, it 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 doesn't actually really matter that they lost yeah, this I mean, game. People talk people talk about momentum being important in sport all the time, but at the same time, look at like the Six Nations. Like we see so many times, we see a shock upset followed by a bounce back performance. Like yeah. it's that's just yeah. as likely to happen as you do see. Um, and let's be perfectly clear: like we're not expecting Wales to to go all the way with this tournament. Whereas you might expect in previous men's campaigns, they clearly have been engineered with the idea of trying to get as far as they can, if even win it. Wales are under no illusions here that they're not sort of trying to build on something here. They know there is an end point to this. They will know there is an end point. They're going to try and go as far as they can, but they will know that there is an end point to this campaign. And therefore, they've got to have a target to smash. And this is their target to smash. This is what they want. This is what they're going mm-hmm. to, this is what they've been there for. The first hurdle was always Scotland. And if they didn't, if they didn't clear that disappointing campaign, now it's on. And in the in the simplest terms, it's on. And I think they'll get up for it in, in, in a way that they weren't even up for the Scotland game. I think they'll be fired up for it like it's their final, because it basically is. Um so, so I think I think they'll be it. really up for it. And yeah. you don't forget that they're, they're, they're only separated, they are they are next to each other in the world rankings, they're seventh and eighth. Like they play different styles of rugby, but they're like, and I know the world rankings don't necessarily play the same as they do in sort of men's game because things are so sort of like. I feel like Ratchet. even in the men's game, the rankings are kind of silly because I think Ireland are top of the men's rankings right now, and I don't, now, I don't buy that. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. 
but I think I think I think getting to the top of them the, the measure by which you get to the top of them is questionable for sure but I think broadly the way they shake out between sort of like three four down to eight ten like I think they are broadly a representation of where each team is at um so I think that yeah I I it's I think for me as a sort of, sort of someone that's coming into coming to women's rugby sort of late in the in the day in, in comparison to a lot of people like it's difficult for me to disconnect that Welsh Australian rivalry from the men's game to think that it's like David versus Goliath as it has been in years gone by where our I think it's, it's, it is atrocious. literally just the vibe of saying Wales are playing Australia this weekend yeah exactly that it's so it's so hard to get your head around the fact that actually like even even looking at the in the New Zealand game like Wales typically in the men's game haven't been a particularly like sort of like forwards dominant play, way, way of playing rugby that everyone wanks themselves to death over shimmy sidestepping rugby the glory days of the old boys whatever and all that sort of shite yet like you say hook those mall tries to my veins like it was a thing of beauty to see that first scrum absolutely capitulate on New Zealand's side and yeah. like it's I think that's what we need to remember here is that they're not they're not the same team and they've got a lot of strengths to their um to their setup and I think they're gonna they're gonna really take it to this Australian team yeah I think I mean I mean we can go to the old all the cliches that uh, people like to bang on about rugby DNA but for me Welsh rugby DNA is being a dogged bastard until the end and then if we get a lucky break we get a you know then we win and I think the our women's side epitomizes it because we can because they do you know they are a really dogged team you know you know they they will they will take they will take australia up to the nose will australia's talent win through like it has in the past i don't know because i don't think they're you know i don't think this australia the women's australia side are quite the same as the wallabies where they you know they they can rely on on that skill and talent i think it might it, you know i don't think that i don't think their talent and their basics where they lack in their basics, I don't think can, their talent makes up enough for. Whereas Wales's basics and their actual bit of talent and the talent they do have, I think is a much better match, particularly for where both teams are at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think you know we we could just go for the the boring old city, just keep, keep kicking the touch and maul and maul and maul and scrum and maul. I'd love it because I it haven't yeah. seen, I didn't see that sort of physicality from Australia, whereas. In the men's side, we're not that kind of team. We can't really do that. I mean, Gatlin, you know, instilled a dogged bastardness. That means, you know, no, we're, we're, what do you mean we're 20 points behind? No, we'll make those 20 points up. We'll beat you. We'll still beat you. 15 minutes after we've been humiliated by the All Blacks, we're still there going, no, we'll, we'll beat you. Give us another five minutes. We'll, we'll do it. And, you know, it's that sort of, I mean, I think it's something that we've only just picked up in the playback era. But, and again, that's, that's for another pod. But I think that's I think that is something this world this you know the women's side has, and I think Sean Lillycrap as captain does epitomise that as well. Like she, she does not know when she's beaten. Yeah, she's so terrifying in the greatest way. I I worry about letting her down, and I don't know her, and I live here, <laughs> and I don't play rugby. Like she she haunts me. That's the thing, like, isn't it? Like, I she is the sort of player that you're like, I'm so glad that I'm rooting for you and that you're on my side because 
God forbid if I actually got to go up against you. It'd be terrifying. Um, I think we should move on to, this is my favourite pool. Um, and probably coming into this last weekend, the most competitive, um, certainly between three of the teams. It feels like there feel- is almost oh. certainly going to be a third you know, one of the two best third places is going to come from this pool. And Italy and it feels like Canada are going to win this pool now. And with that, probably second seed. I mean, England are looking at, because they didn't get a bonus point in that game, potentially finishing in third, in third seed, which doesn't make a massive difference um, in terms of their run and in terms of like them winning the tournament. But I think it's <laughs> really interesting that they are not about to have it entirely their own way and just finish top of the group and just sort of sail through. I think the difference there, though, is with England finishing third seed is instead of playing one of the third-place teams, arguably, you know, one of those easier teams, yeah. they're going to be playing the second-place teams. I mean, that and that could be France again. It yeah. Could, you know, it could be Wales or Australia. I mean, it could be... And, you know, again, similarly, France might finish lower than they necessarily wanted to so they might end up playing a second place team in Italy and mm-hmm. actually do you know what that could be a very if that's a quarter final match that would be very spicy I love this the Italy history. team so fucking <laughs> I, I, it, it was such a good game I'm so glad I just about managed to stay awake um, you know fell asleep on the whistle and just about managed to wake up for Wales I think if we if we if we just quickly do Japan versus USA first, Japan are a really interesting team in this tournament. I feel like because they are not, they kind of shouldn't be winning at halftime against the USA, and yet they were, and they were really good value for. Again, that that just felt it felt like a proper World Cup game. I thought they were great value for their. Uh, I mean, USA pulled away only really in the last few minutes, but um. This USA team as well, they are playing Canada this weekend. And if they ship a heavy loss, you know, Italy are playing Japan. I mean, it could open the door for Italy to finish second in this pool. And I just think that this is the one where there's the most sort of, as much as the winner of Wales and Australia will come second in that group, this Japan, um, USA, Italy, Canada pool is Really, I feel like there's a lot of potential for jumping around in the in the standings in that pool in this weekend's games. Yeah, I think considering when everyone was saying, "Oh, France, England, that's going to be a pool of you know the the old pool of death cliche," which trust me, as someone as a Wales supporter, I I know a fair bit about pools of death. <laughs> having Australia and Fiji for, for I think five consecutive World Cups. It's, yeah. it's, it's such a good it's such a good it's such a good bit though they should actually stop drawing world yeah, I think, now yeah just, so just automatically have the th- those three written those three and Georgia just written in yeah just, absolutely just, just leave it at that and then just pick, pick a random tier two yeah. nation but yeah pool B I think is probably the most competitive and the toughest pool and I think it might be the toughest pool to get out of because you know you might actually guarantee with you know, you could have three teams with two wins, or you could have Canada. Sure, sure. I mean, most likely, I think Canada is going to get. I think Canada will will win. Yeah, I think Canada too much. Canada came but, yeah, out in that second half against Italy, just fucking furious. It yeah. was <laughs> kind of, it was kind of really something. I mean, we talked about we talked about Wales as mall. Jesus Christ, that Canadian mall yeah, is something they, to they, behold. 
I, I don't know what they had in their half-time drinks, but it was 80% violence. And do you know what? I am here for it. I, I, as much as I love Italy, just seeing that sheer, sheer yeah. un, un, you know, it's like Munster in its best in their best days when they just absolutely demoralise and total a team. I really miss and you feel, days. And you could only be losing by three and you feel like you're losing by 30. Just yeah, and, and I think... Or another team who are brilliant. They, they don't beat you on the scoreboard. They beat you physically and it hurts so much more because you feel yeah. like you could have won. I feel like Italy did... Italy kind of did the same thing that they did last week to an extent, even though they won that game last week. But they, they're kind of... They're a bit wasteful with their possession. I just feel like they, mm. they don't score as many points as the chances they're creating suggest that they should be. Um, and it's kind of frustrating. Um, but I just, oh, like at times, like Beatrice Rigoni is playing, is, is actually just playing a different game to everyone else. She's yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah. It's but like I she think... turned the difficulty down around her. Around her. Yeah. But I feel that at some points, and I feel the same about other sort of players like this, when you have like your Mar- Marcus Smiths and your Danny Cipriani's, Henson was another one. You've almost got. To, you do have to remember who you're playing with, and by bringing up, you know, playing like you're on easy mode around players who aren't quite ready for it isn't, you know, they're not going to be able to do. I mean, that first try was absolute from the fullback, like yeah. in the instant two seconds was absolutely. When I realised we were supposed to be talking about the uh, USA. Oh no, we can, we can, we can. I just wanted to say that I that I thought Japan were great value for being ahead at halftime. We can absolutely move on to Italy because I could just have a little point. I think I feel like for me, there's more talking points other than for me just being so surprised how actually good in the foot, considering it's not their strength really, how Mm. good in the forwards Japan are. I mean, I remember Mm. when we first started watching the Allianz Premier 15s and thinking, oh, extra signed a Japanese pro. Well, that's that I wouldn't have thought that, and then I watched the um, Kato, I think. Um, do apologies for getting names. I'm sure someone will at me. Um, but oh my god! Oh, it's, seriously, that is they. They've got some foot. They've got some fantastic forwards. I'm very, very impressive. Uh, but yeah, I mean, going back to the Italy, I think yeah, I think sometimes yeah, Bish, if you know, she she sometimes overplays for what her team can do. And yeah, so I think I think there are there are a lot of teams. Not just not necessarily just in this tournament, but in rugby in general, who have a player like that, who yeah. it's it's actually like you it almost comes back and you might think that they have had maybe like a poor performance or that they've played negatively, but what it is is that they're just ahead of everyone else and they're trying to play to a level that some of the players around them just can't. But I like this Italy backline, I think that they're just all stunning. That Italy back three is one of my favourites sort of as a, as a trio, like just one of my favourites in, in rugby right now. I think they're all just, they're all just brilliant. And they didn't win this game, but they were, it, it, that's the thing that they, they were, they had scored five points by halftime and that was not a five point half from them, that first half, especially. Yeah. Um, And that's sort of, that's sort of killing them, I guess, that sort of inability to convert their, attack and their opportunities into points. I don't know if you two agree with me on my thought on this, my the way my weird brain works, but for me, Italy are almost like the other side of the same coin as Scotland. In terms of they're both very wasteful, but they do it in different ways. Like Italy have got all that wonderful flair and excitement where and Scott I know Scotland do have those wonderful players like Ronald Lloyd. 
But I mean, a lot of their how they get into the 22 is just, you know, very, very straightforward. It's very efficient. You know, they can get in and it, there's no dramatics. They're just very good at what they do. Whereas, and, but both of them in the same way can't quite convert on those chances. In a way, mm-hmm. of like if you almost if you put that Scotland pack and that Italian, you know, you mix those two teams together, you'd probably have a team that could be that could give the Red Roses a run for their money. But there's just something, I guess the difference oh, is like that they're missing something. I guess the difference like is that in in the game that Italy were in a position to win, they did win it, like they did the USA <laughs> last week. So I was going to say, no, so but like... I, I I totally get what you're saying, though. I just I just I just love them so much. Just really like really love them. Oh, okay. fried calzone. <laughs> that sounds disgusting. Oh, I, I, I disagree violently. I disagree violently. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, oh, hang- so I, I missed what you said, Nicole. Was that a haggis calzone? No, no, a deep fried calzone. That, that I could get on board with. Similar, the haggis similar, calzone similar, was similar. a bit. The, hag- the haggis calzone was a bit was a bit much for me, much. but uh, yeah, deep fried calzone. I bet oh, it aren't, they, aren't they fried? Oh, it it definitely exists. I mean, it's probably, it'll probably be shallow fried or pan fried or something wanky, knowing that it'll be deep fried, like a deep fried one, like probably like, like sunk in a layer of batter. I do yeah, remember I... going to a funeral in Glasgow and had pizza crunch for the first time. And wow, that is something that I know is bad for me and I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> do we think that Canada are, st- are really starting to show their potential to go all the way um I I sort of wrote down do we think that Canada could be a finalist and I feel like their their forwards game would cause any of these other teams big problems that's that's where I think they've got the most potential to really cause Mm -hmm. an upset is the forwards game just based purely on how much France got up on England's face on the weekend um I just think they've got such like such ferocity in that forward pack that I, I don't I, I'm sure England probably would find a way to to live with it um or work around it but I think it's something that would probably be on Simon Middleton's radar thinking of all the ones that are up there that we could meet along the way either semis or finals they are the ones that I think I'm probably looking at especially after that France game thinking even if we don't shore up these um, shore up, plug up these holes um, and look at our defence in the midfield, that uh, Canada could really come at us. Canada, yeah. I find myself quite confused with Canada because I really want them to do well. But at the same time, given how, you know, the Canadian RFU said, oh, we're not going to bother with professionalism, you know, we're, we're only focusing on our sevens programme, very similar to men's. And they're in this really rare situation where their women's team is by far and away the, the team they should be flagging. You know, they, that's who they should be throwing their money behind. To be honest, because if Canada were going to have Canadian... one professional rugby team, take take it away from Kingsley Jones. Why does he get to have the professional team? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Heck, you could just tell him he's, he's there and just give him a Zoom meeting once a week. He'll be well happy. <laughs> Yeah, I think this team are great, and it's 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 a shame that it it seemed like again. I mean, again, they're not getting the treatment they deserve. Really, none of these teams are. But Canada are one of the the sort of the ones that you feel like are potentially really challenging for 
I mean, I say challenging for the tournament. I feel like in a way it's challenging to be the team who get beaten by England in the final. Um, but you know, I th- I think that I think that they they could cause a lot of these teams big problems. Yeah. I think they're a bit of a dark horse in a way. And there's nothing well, can read out there. I think you're 100% I think that they there. will I think that they will probably win this pool um and with it, I guess, second seed. As it stands, they're their second seed, I think. Um and yeah, I I mean I kind of in a way I kind of back them nearly more than I would back like France or someone. with France we keep grading on the curve with France because it's like after after last week's games we were like you know France are France are maybe not as good as they were and then France pulled out this performance but it's like they're you know that performance last week is still there you know that's still in them um and going forward now without Sansu is not 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 in the way that Pauline Bourdon is a bad replacement by any means because she's also an incredible player, but it does it does change their the makeup of their team massively going forward. And I just wonder, I just wonder about Canada. That's all. I think um, I mean, I said I think knowing they're probably fine. I mean, admittedly, Sanzu's is basically what would better here, but I think Drouin is probably the one who they need to make sure isn't shitting the bed. Mm. I mean, I think Squinch put a fantastic tweet out during the game about uh, Sanzis is the only person he knows who could shit the bed and somehow turn it into him the best quilt you've ever seen. Yeah, what an image. It, wow. Yeah, he, he certainly has a way with his wounds. Poetry. <laughs> but, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Um, yeah, and, yeah, I think France probably, I think France probably out of form probably going to be this, the other finalist. Depends on how everything goes on. But I think Canada and New Zealand definitely, you know, as long as the seeding works out right, are going to be your other two sem- your other two semi-finalists. At least on form, they're the four best teams. I know Unless we'll someone causes a quarter-final upset, you know? Yeah. I still feel like, I do, I mean, I said I said it last week, and, I, and I, I do still feel like Italy might have an upset in them. They did beat France like a month ago, and yeah. I yeah. just feel like they might still have an upset performance in them I'd love to see I'd love to not in the you know you not in that I'm not rooting for those teams but I'd love to see a situation where the semi-finalists are not England France New Zealand and Canada yeah it you would know be if, quite one, if one of them if one of them had lost out in the quarterfinals I think that that would just be but there's so much still really up in the air about this tournament and yeah. I, I mean that just makes for just great world cup like when you just you can't really call anything the thing is, is that you know that if it was those four teams, you'd still get two fantastic semi-finals and a great final. But yeah. you just would like that extra little bit of drama to be like, Ooh, what? how have they worked themselves in there? Like, what are they going to do in the semi-final? Yes, yes, they lost, you know, 60 points to 17 in the semi-final. But, you know, Italy were there. Like, it's something like that. And, and I think Better that, again, that would be such, yeah. a, such a great... Also, I don't for... think... I don't think... I. So, um, some can correct me, but as far as I'm aware, Italy have never left the group stages in the men's game. They haven't, no. And here if, we are, if, we're looking at them pretty much being sort I don't know how you guys feel about Obviously, they have to do it so differently because there's three pools, not four. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about them doing seeding as opposed to just saying, right, this position, this position, this position, play each other? 
I quite like I do it. like the fact there's this certain I like the sort of lack of you know the uncertainty that you could yeah and it puts more it puts more on these games when you it you've got bonus points you've got points differences mm. all these things that now start to become a factor where your performance the win is now no longer just enough it might well be and i'm sure it will be the case for england but now we're looking at that situation as patricia said that we're in a situation where england might not end up finishing Top of the group. I mean, it looks like of three pool winners, England are going to be the third ranked, and that's yeah, that's kind of oh, sorry, that's kind of, of pool, crazy. Yeah. And I and I kind of like that. Um, the especially like a team like England can't look at it before the World Cup and say, you know, like if if it this is our route, the, you know, we can't you can't say okay, so we're preparing for you know Wales in the, in the quarterfinals, and then if we if we beat them, we'll have whoever in the semi and something like that. I think that that's yeah, that that's. I think that's fun. I, I quite like it. I think it's yeah. um it's interesting that they'll get put into one big one big pool then and the seeding is done that way. Like you say, it is because there are three pools as opposed to four, but I still think that that's a, a really interesting Let's just format do it to six go with. next time then. <laughs> I, I was just thinking it was a yeah, because obviously with talk of the other tour, I mean they've talked about expanding this the women's game to match the men's and and then talking about expanding the men's further on. I was just thinking Actually, I quite like that as a format of having seeding. And you've got the complaint people are having with this, you know, the next current iteration of the Men's World Cup where, you know, whoever comes out of the South Africa, Ireland, Scotland, Paul is basically shafted because they've got England or France. Whereas maybe on the way up, you know, where Wales are, they're on a slightly easier trajectory. I mean, all the big teams we're not going not, the pool, mate. Don't worry not, about it. Not necessarily. Oh, we won't um, qualify for the next World Cup, so don't worry. Ireland, <laughs> Ireland... Whoever I'm going to say whoever gets out of the Ireland group, but I'm going to also hope that Ireland get out of it. We're not necessarily shafted just because we're playing either France or New Zealand in the quarterfinals. I'll just say that. Like, it's not, don't be acting like a year out now and this is a dead cert or anything because, it, you know, it, it, you can get your jokes in while, while you can because Ireland's quarterfinal was... win is really common in that men's game. Yeah, because you know? your, your record against New Zealand at the moment is really terrible, isn't it? Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I'd love to get, I'd love a quarterfinal against New Zealand. Fucking bring it on. Oh, that's going to come back in the years. Well, <laughs> 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 oh, I'll be leaving the Stade de France in tears in the years time. <laughs> Absolutely clipping that. <laughs> um, do we have anything else that we want to pick up from this weekend of games in the 2021 World Cup? Oh, I just wanted, I didn't get a chance to say it over the USA game, but just um, I have got such a such a massive crush on Janine Detiver. She was absolutely awesome in that game. She He's was so, great. so good. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to get that shout out in there. It was another was... great game. I mean, every uh, uh, the Wales game was the first game in this tournament that I was sort of disengaged from in a way because it was yeah. just a bit of a it was a bit of a pummeling even the ones last week where the results sort of stretched away there was still so much in them and that was the first game that I watched that I was like you know I I wouldn't have minded sort of sleeping through this one in a way yeah yeah I I, I think I'd That's rather fair. slept through that and then watch the the um Fiji woken up for Fiji. Oh, that would be, I mean, yeah. I cannot put into words how much better it would have been if you'd have done that. Like that, it just was so yeah. much better. But, Shall we move on to winners and wankers to end this podcast? Let's. Yeah. Um. Well, Phil, what, who is your wanker this week? We're going to start with wankers. Yeah, end on a high. Yeah. Um. Yes. 
so um my wanker is going to be um climbing up the ladder and then pulling it up behind you that's going to be my my wanker so you want to leave it there or do you want no to no no, no just just obviously there were some there were some contentious opinions thrown around last week last weekend when we had the the late finish of the of the Wales uh, Scotland game which is a tremendously dramatic climax and loved every second of it although my heart didn't at the time um and we had the celebrations on the pitch cut dramatically short by a rerun of you've been framed um and I took to the social medias all 242 of my followers found out that I was very upset with the um with the the way that this coverage was uh cut short and uh yeah um awoke on um sunday morning to find um a load of criticism leveled against the q a at the watch party um being shown during the build down of the of the coverage um and i just think it's just a really silly situation that we find ourselves in that we've got eight hundred thousand people tuning in to watch this game 100 plus people turning up at seven, eight o'clock in the morning to watch it as a big group of people together to be to throw out questions with uh, sort of ex-players. You had Red, Red Rose number seven there in the crowd asking questions of, of Brian Cleal and the likes of Nick Heath. And it was just a tremendous advert for the game. It just didn't need it just didn't need to be pulled down in that way. And I found it really frustrating that someone would take that. I point think. Of view. I think that there is an element there of um, raging against the dying of the light, but there is an inability to see that the, I guess the light that really matters is the one that's really just starting to get so much brighter. Like there's no, Absolutely. there is no dying there and it's, and it, it's, it shouldn't be a closed shop and the, and you know, it rugby can't be if, if it's to grow in the way that we want it to grow. And it was, yeah, it was a shame to see, but I think we should probably leave that there maybe. Maybe yeah, yeah, maybe it just Highly. it just show it just show. bring something else in. <laughs> Give us a wanker. Go on. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you, rugby wise. I mean, other than the usual standard of wankers around anything to do with this game, which for the last couple of weeks has actually been quite quite quiet. I mean, I mean, not so much wankers them, but I mean, it's definitely shit. Although this is the wrong podcast for shit. <laughs> uh, you know, it's the whole thing with wasps now going i suppose yeah you know it's just made laws look even more of a wanker for saying oh wasps are too big to fail and then the very next week they they've gone into administration obviously we just hope that yeah, you know was... people people can get sorted and just i mean it's just oh it's a, it's a horrible situation i think i think it was graham love that tweeted i saw in my timeline there that it was i you know we miss when the worst thing that would happen to a team was that they would just get relegated you know, and we have yeah. clubs sort of dying, and yeah, it's 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 horrible. It's 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 just desperately sad, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I had Canada's Emma Taylor, who is my new number one enemy after this weekend, because she <laughs> is the player who uh, dropped her shoulder into Beatrice Rigoni in a cheap shot in that game, which I think she got a yellow card for. But um, as soon as I saw her do it, I was like, "Who is that?" That is my new absolute nemesis. How how dare you touch Beatrice Riccone like that? Um, Outrageous. But, I mean, it's 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 all, it's it's relative doing the wanker section. I feel like for a tournament like this, because 
everything like it's it's just been great um it's so much easier when you know you're picking from men's rugby I don't know if that's if that if that's reflective of a general thing but yes yes it is it absolutely <laughs> is that's not uh, an even kind of to, if now we move on to our winners and end it on the high Harley uh give us some winners um I'm just going to be a bit bit self-indulgent so winners is Cardiff for carrying on up for not ending our one lo- our one winning streak that we we're actually able to maintain against the Dragons um my other one is whoever from Premier Sports keeps giving Mike people like Mike Lowry and Craig Casey man of the match and then getting a, the biggest second row to hand in the medal to make it look like big old bring your son to work day because it's just <laughs> always <good. laughs> yeah I like that um Phil no surprises for me that goddamn watch party let's do it every goddamn weekend let's do it every goddamn weekend get up at seven in the morning with bacon butties and coffee and then sit and chat to pro players afterwards about what a great game of rugby we just watched yeah and once again just props to everyone props to everyone who was or who organized it and everyone who turned up and just the whole thing I mean it looked it looked great and it's you know it's for charity and it was a huge turnout and just everything about it was just great oh just absolutely just one absolutely inspired thing obviously being partnered with Brave Mind they what they gave out to everyone was a rugby ball a rugby shaped stress ball which oh, wow. was just the most perfect thing to do yeah. for the game was just sitting there just squeezing it away being like I haven't really even got I've obviously been Welsh, not got a huge vested interest in this. I'm just here to see a good rugby game and to watch the best rugby team that's ever been do their thing. But even me, it's like to the last 20, like sort of 10 minutes. So I was like squeezing the crap out of that thing. I was like, oh, this is a great idea. Fair play. Um, I think that I would not be being true to myself if I didn't give a little shout out to Gavin Coombs. Who yes. It's just, oh God, he's just great. Um, he's <laughs> oh, you been... Know, you know, been been injured you know and and I just feel like maybe he's the reason that the start of the season hasn't been the best you know he hasn't been there and we lost to the Dragons and then he came back and he scored two tries at the weekend and and although he didn't get his 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 hat trick um oh I just thought he was great I just love watching him play you know he's just great I just love him I'm sure you're aware I have a huge soft spot for it I mean admittedly if I have to pick an Irish team it's Connor purely because yeah they less serious than Cardiff at times and I like that but I do have a huge soft spot for Munster and Gavin Coombs is a very big part of that well I just think he's he's wonderful but I I I did also have um Fiji's Sateri Rasalia who I actually wrote down the stats as I saw them on Twitter because uh she beat seven defenders in that game against South Africa and ran for 93 meters in the 80 minutes that she played at tight head prop and yes just what a bloody player, you know. Um, because oh, just unreal. Uh, as a quick aside, that is part of the reason I do love the women's game at the moment is that you just seem to have this almost interchangeable where the tight head props can be a bit your your, uh, your speed runners, like you know, you've got players like Sarah Byrne and Simi Powell oh, as yeah. well. And I, yeah. I, you know, I mean, she may not be in this tournament, but I think as much love as possible for Simi Pam at every opportunity because it's Simi Pam. Mm. <laughs> also right, shout out to Marjorie have... Mayans for making 27 it was 27 yeah. tackles no zero miss that's insane especially that's against that really absolutely insane do you, we that think is that us yeah I think that's it yeah sorry I just need to get that one in right thank you very much to both of you for joining me 
Thank you very much for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Maybe Grav will be back next week. Maybe he won't. Who knows? Just being lazy and yeah. see if you can be honest. Uh, just, just take over forever. <laughs> yeah, it's my podcast now. <laughs> Bye. You've been listening to Rock and Roll. If you've stuck with us this far, leave us a review. Follow us, not just you, but on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And drop us a message. You're a pretty friendly bunch. It'll be great to hear from you no matter what you want to say. And we'll see you next time. Thanks very much for listening. Bye for now. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.